Well, it is really my privilege to be here. My name is Scott Reevely. I'm part of the pastoral team at New Life Church. Uh, it's my privilege to be here with you. I've missed you the last uh, little bit. But also, uh, it's my privilege to be involved so that Pastor John and his family could be away uh, on vacation. I suppose the greater privilege, however, is that I get to talk about uh, I get to talk about the gospel or the good news of Jesus Christ this morning. Because it is the gospel, this good news, that is the, the root and the soil in which all of our hope grows. It's our belief in the gospel that really is our belief in the transforming and saving power of God. And so when I'm talking about the gospel, what I'm talking about is I'm talking about the work of God in the world from, from creation to the, till the new creation that culminates in the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. And so the focal point of what we're talking about is the, the life, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus when I'm talking about the gospel. If God had not done that, we would be without hope. And so what we are talking about this morning is really this redemptive work of God all throughout history, but specifically the part that is this uh, work of Jesus on the cross. And the beauty of that is that we receive grace when we believe that Jesus died for our sins on the cross and rose again. We receive grace that changes our uh, eternal destiny, gives us a future and a hope. But more than that, it also, we also receive grace day by day on account of that work of Jesus so that today I can count on Jesus, I can believe the gospel, and live differently. Live as a Christian because Jesus has done a work in me by dying for me and rising again. Now I say that because <laughs> well, we're going to need the gospel. We're going to need it a lot in this next week. Um, we're specifically going to need the fruit of the gospel in our lives that produces love for one another. Against, <laughs> against the counsel that I have received, I'm just going to get it out there. Uh, you all probably have heard of the CDC changing their mask and vaccination requirements and Oregon following suit right away. Such that if you're fully vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask in public places. Now that... Uh, upon hearing that, I assume that there are a variety of feelings, <laughs> a variety of responses to that. Some people are happy to hear it, and other people are not so happy about it. Um, it's going to create a very difficult situation in the life of the church, just going to say. Because the people that I have been talking to have had a hard time keeping their vaccine opinions to themselves before this went down. 
And so I'm expecting that uh, it's not going to get any easier. And I, I want to say that the bar for us, the bar for Christians, is higher than the bar for everybody else as far as what we are to do. Now, again, when I say that, I'm not talking then about vaccinations or masks. I'm talking about loving one another. I'm talking about preferring other people over yourselves. I mean, the stuff we've been talking about the last several weeks, right? We really can't just go on business as usual, say whatever we want to say to whomever we want to say it. We're not going to be able to, you know, glory in our freedom, if we have freedom, in front of anybody that we want to glory in front of. We're going to have to say, what does love look like in this situation? What does love look like in this relationship? And that is going to demand more of us than it demands of other people. And so... The beauty of what we have in front of us this morning is the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ will produce in those who believe it a love for other people that you can't explain another way. So I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. Verses 7 through 12. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. And I want you to see that the gospel has the effect, believing the gospel has the effect of producing love in the lives of those who believe it. So that if you truly believe the good news of Jesus, it follows that you will be a loving person. And so what does that faith in the gospel look like? Let's, let's read 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. And so here in this text, the beauty and the simplicity of loving one another springs from a belief in the finished work of Jesus. 
So let me show you how I think this text develops love in this hard heart. Okay, I mean, I don't know how hard your heart, your how hard your heart is. I don't know how hard it's going to be for you to love other people in this next week, even, or those who have different opinions than you. But it's going to be hard for me. And so I want to show you how God goes about developing this love by faith in the gospel. So verse 7 tells us where the love comes from, right? So love one another. That's the expectation. I've already mentioned that. The expectation for you is that you will love other people. That will be the very first thing. You do not get to do whatever you want to do. Now, why not? Because love is from God. Love finds its root in the character of God. It is the very character of God from which this love comes. So much so that if you don't love, look at verse 8, you don't love or know God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Why not? Because God is love. God is so loving, it is in his nature so much to lavish upon you love, to lavish upon me love, that if I do not then pass that love along to other people, I communicate that I don't really know God who is a source of love at all. It's more strange uh, if I don't love to say that I know God than it is to say I love sports, but I don't know ESPN. You see, it really is more simple than that because God himself is so loving. God is love. Whoever, has, whoever loves has been born of God. In other words, the, the love we're talking about here is a result of receiving love from God. This is, I'm gonna, we're going to see this again in a second, but this is overwhelming. The love that God wants you to show other people is love that has first been lavished upon you. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. You have been transformed by God. This new birth. So one of the, one of the great things that we know that Jesus said in John chapter 3 is that you must be born again. If you're going to see the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. What does he mean by that? He simply means that naturally... We all go through life with ourselves at the center. We all go through life with uh, us holding God at arm's length. That's the normal human uh, condition. Until God takes you and gives you a new heart and a new life and a new birth so that you are born of God. And when you're born of God, when you... When you are born again, then there is a love implanted in you 
that changes your relationships with other people. And that's what it means to know God. To know God is not to intellectually think you've got God figured out, because that's a pretty big stretch. The know God instead is to have been transformed by God so that your life now is different and your future hope is different. Because God is love. There are a few things that I want to point out to you about this. To say that God is love. I hope it's helpful to you to realize that this is not how the Quran um, talks about Allah. In the Quran, God's love is always responsive. He loves the just. He loves those who do good works. He loves the person who does what is right. And he is always loving people based on their performance. And here you have, and we'll see it in verses 9 and 10 in spades, God loves us even when our performance is not what it needs to be. Because it is in his nature, not because it is in our performance. We live in a world that says, love is love, right? Which, <laughs> love is love. I'm trying to think, what does that even mean, right? Why include that sentence? Like, three is three. Well, yes, what else is it going to be? It's three. What that lacks is any kind of definition about what love might be. And here, we don't have the definition. We'll have it in a minute. But what we have here is that love is here in the nature of God. It is not that love is God. It's that God is love. The character of God manifests this concern for other people in a way that is different than merely being nice or not being hostile. Those are kind of the ways we think of love, right? Lo loving people are really nice and loving people are not hostile. Well, that's true. The love of God is much more than that. So let's see what that is because it's defined now. Love, love is sourced in the character of God. It is defined in the giving of Jesus here in verses 9 and 10. Look at this. In verse 9 and 10 start the same way. In this, the love, and in this is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. So what God is doing here is God is making himself known. God is wanting you to know him. And how does he do it? He does it, first of all, his doing it is an act of love. The love of God was manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world. He sent his one and only son, some translations say, his one-of-a-kind son into the world so that we might live through him. So what, is love, what does that tell us about love? That tells us that love is, and, it, and it, it may not need to be much more than this, Love takes initiative to meet the needs of those who don't deserve it. Here is what you have 
This verse defines as love. Love takes initiative to meet the needs of those who don't deserve it. It's really that simple. Now, that's not a technical definition. That's just what is happening here, right? When God is making his love known, what is he doing? He is taking initiative to meet the needs of those who don't deserve it so that we might live through him. One of the things I think that we all underbelieve and undersell is that it, the very best thing for the human condition is to live in love with and submission to God. That human flourishing happens when you are in relationship with God and He is the King and you are His subject. That's when people do their best. That's why Jesus came. God sent His only Son of the world so that we might live through Him. So that we, in John 10.10 it says that we might have life and have it abundantly. So he's come into the world for life so that people will be fully alive. Just to make sure you know what love is like. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. So what we have is the father sending the son. He's sending the son so that he is a propitiation for our sins. Do you know what that is? That's the gospel. That's what we're talking about when we talk about the gospel. That God sent Jesus. Propitiation simply means to satisfy his wrath against sin. So if you, if you think about that for a moment, to be the propitiation for our sins so that God no longer has to be upset with you about your sin. So that God no longer, in order for him to be holy and just, needs to punish your sin. That's what propitiation means. Propitiation means that if you are a believer in Jesus, if you have submitted your life to him and believe the gospel, God has nothing against you. Imagine that. So we use the word believe the gospel, right? Because that is unbelievable. That God would actually look at my life and not have anything against me. That he would know the bad attitude that I have, and he would know what things I, even if I didn't say them, that I would have loved to have said. And he doesn't hold it against me. Because Jesus is the propitiation for my sin. God is completely satisfied with the work of Jesus for me and for you. Or to put it another way, God had every reason not to love you. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before. 
See, well, I think God's just a nice grandpa upstairs, right? But he's, he's not. He's God. He's a God who is merciful and kind and compassionate and loving and holy and just and not to be trifled with. Both. And so, in spite of my sin, in spite of my rebellion, He sent His Son to satisfy His wrath against my rebellion so that He no longer holds it against me. So some of you saw me come up the stairs kind of slow. And I'm faster than I was last time I was here. And I'm hoping I'm going to do as well getting down the stairs. I'm not sure. Might have a roll down or something. But I'll tell you. I mean, I had a, I had a pretty major surgery um, a couple months ago. And it was very easy for me to think, yeah, it's because God, God's upset with me. Because God thinks, you know, he, he, he knows I need... Um, to be punished for something or other. And, I, and, and we all have those thoughts, right? My car breaks down, and then what do I do? I think, oh, God doesn't, you know, God doesn't like me as well today as he did yesterday when the car was running. I mean, we're just inclined to do that. It's the way we're programmed. And what this tells you is that he loves you. He has, and he's not going to stop because the work of Jesus is enough. Loved us. He loved us and sent his son. You are, we sang earlier, you are loved forever, wholly, completely. And that's what love is. In this is love. Notice he says, not that we have loved God. How many times? you think you need to try harder and do better at this. That is not the message of Christianity. Because that's not what love is. Love is not us doing it. It's not us getting it together. It's not us trying a little harder. Love is not that. It is God taking initiative to meet the needs of those who don't deserve it. You can think of it as though we erected all of these walls between us and God to keep him away and to do our own thing. And all we deserve is his wrath to be bombed or send a missile over there and judge us. And what God did is he smashed through every one of those walls to come and love you. Bricks flew everywhere as God ran to He eliminated every reason he ever had to not love you. That's what it means to send Jesus to be the propitiation for our sins. I hope you recognize that as good news. And as you do, and as you think about that, I want you to realize what we are talking about here is believing that. Believing the gospel. Because when you believe the gospel, it produces love in you. 
This is not love that I try harder. This is love that I have been loved by God. Because look now at verses 11 and 12. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So I just want you to think about that for a second. When I don't love people like I should, where is the breakdown? Where's the breakdown? If I don't love people like I should, what's, what's wrong? You might be tempted to say, well, you're not trying hard enough, right? Well, we've already, already looked to see that um, trying hard enough isn't the thing. Not that we love God. It's not, love is not sourced in me. It's not about me trying hard. That's not where the breakdown is. If I don't love people like I ought, where's the breakdown? The breakdown, really, is that I do not believe completely, for sure, that God loves me, that I am loved by God. Because if he loved us, loving one another is the natural thing to do. And what happens, what happens when I don't love people is that I am saying, whether I intend to or not, I don't believe that God really loves me that much. I don't believe that God really means it when he says, I love you. Because if I believed that, it would, I'd be free to change and to love other people differently. Here's what he how he kind of explains that, right? Verse 12. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God, abide, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So my first thought, I have to say, in, in, in verse 12 is, he's talking, right? He's talking about love. No, love one another. You know, God loves you. Love of God made perfect. Love. Love God make manifest. Love, 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 love. No one's seen God. Where's that come from? It's like, love, 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 squirrel. Love, love, love. That's really what it seems like. It's completely out of, it seems out of place. No one's ever seen God. Why would he bring that up here? I think it's because he wants us to realize that when you see Jesus, you do see God. That's what John chapter 1 tells us. That God, the one and only Jesus, has made him known. But it's more than that. It's more than that. Because, yes, the, God is revealing himself in Jesus. He's revealing what, when it says God is love, what does that mean? Let Jesus explain. 
That's what it means. It means what Jesus is doing for you is the, the love of God. But it's more than that, I think. No one's ever seen God if we love one another. Okay, so then he goes right back to us loving one another. God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. No one has ever seen God. No, no doubt about that. That's kind of what makes him hard to believe in, isn't it? But, when Christians who have been loved by God put themselves out, take initiative to meet the needs of those who don't deserve it, people get a little glimpse of who God is. Because God is love. And when you see that in action, it's a beautiful thing. Some of you some of you know just what I'm talking about. You have seen this in action. You have seen people inconvenience themselves for the sake of others. I, there are two, and I, I, I can't say names. I wish I could. If I get to preach on the other side of the country someday, maybe I can tell people's names when they won't know who I'm talking about. But there, there, are, there are some people that uh, I know who have absolutely no motivation at all whatsoever to be kind to other people. And it's happened twice, and it's really similar circumstances. There's two you know, men uh, who are, in, at least in the, in the Westland congregation I'm thinking of, who have taken under their wing a younger man who's had some kind of needs, and they have just walked alongside. They've... They've gone, uh, they've helped them move, they've helped them find work, they've helped them do every single thing at the expense, at, at a great expense themselves, as far as time and energy goes. And I'm, you know, I'm thinking about this, right, while I'm at home with my feet up on the ottoman. And I'm realizing that, when I see that, I really am seeing a, a little bit of the love of God in his people. No one's ever seen God, but you do get some glimpses when we love one another. God abides in us. It is the life. He came, right? Jesus came that we might have life. It's the life, his life within us that enables us to do that. That's why at the close of the service, we're going to say out loud together, Galatians 2.20, that the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me? We're going to say that because it really is God living in us, abiding in us. And it is his love then that goes to other people. And that's, I think, what this last phrase is. His love is perfected in us. Now, if you, if you do very much thinking about this, you'll scratch your head a little bit, right? I thought God was already perfect. And so, therefore, if God loves, it's the perfect love, you might think, right? I don't know that perfect is exactly the best word because, I mean, perfect is one word that will translate that Greek word. Another is complete. Another is finds its purpose or its end, its goal in us. 
so that when we love one another, God lives in us and his love finds its goal. So that if you love other people, that's what makes God's love find its goal. In other words, he doesn't give he doesn't love you merely that you might be a receptacle of his love, but that you might be a conduit of his love. God's love is never simply static, so that it comes to you and then nothing happens. He loves you so that it might come to you and then through you to other people. That's what you see here. So that it finds its end or its goal in us because we pass it on to other people. Now this, that was my best, <laughs> my best description really of how believing in the finished work of Jesus on the cross and in the resurrection changes somebody so that they become a loving person. But I'm assuming that if you're like me, that you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't do this 100% of the time, right? You don't bat 1,000, as they say in baseball. If there's a breakdown in your love, how do you fix it? I think you, you fix it by asking yourself penetrating questions, namely, how am I not believing the gospel today? Why don't I believe I am loved that much? Why am I having a hard time accepting that God actually loves me? And I, and I say this because I find regularly that if I'm working out of a deficit, if I'm working to, to prove to other people, for instance, that I'm good enough, or if I'm working out of some sort of deficit where I don't feel loved and I'm trying to maybe get them to like me, all of a sudden I'm beginning to manipulate a relationship. I'm beginning to think about a, a relationship as transactional. And it's not working very well, especially if people are hard to love. But I do find that when I feel fully loved, when I really believe the gospel, my skin is a little thicker, my touch is a little softer, my listening is a little more acute, my heart is a little warmer to other people that I'm around. And so I fix my broken, that's probably not even the right way to say it, but I'll say it that way anyway. I fix my broken love for other people by going back to Jesus and, and saying, okay, what am I not believing about how much you love me? Because it is my disbelief in that that manifests itself in my proud uh, explanations to you about why I'm right about masks or vaccines or whatever other thing I want to talk about. You become more loving by being more convinced 
of how much you are loved by God. I think the, there, there are lots of ways, of course, this pandemic has affected us. But if it's affected us in any way, I think it's made it easier for us to keep to ourselves. In fact, we were required to keep to ourselves for uh, some of the time, right? Well, we all, and myself included, have developed routines and ways of thinking about my life that did not put me out there with other people, where I just kept to myself. My routine became self-centered. I wasn't hostile. See, that's one of the ways we define love, right? As somebody who loves is not hostile. That, that's not exactly it. Because love is not really not being hostile. Love is taking the initiative. And when I developed a routine and I developed all this where I'm just sort of insulated myself, I have become unloving, whether I felt like it or not. And I had permission. I had permission. But one of the things the gospel does is it takes away our permission not to love other people. And again, let me just make one other clarification. I think there's probably some of us that like to hang out with other people from church. But hanging out with church people is not love. Love is taking the initiative to meet the needs of people who don't deserve it. Now some of that happens when you hang out with other people. But some of it is taking initiative. And this is the way that God makes himself known in the world is through his people who will love one another. Because the love of God is perfected with us. Now, I just am going to come back to the place where I began. Because we're all going to need the gospel a little more this next week than we've needed it up till now. I think we've needed it up till now, right? And you probably agree with me on that. But I think we're going to need it this next week. I think this is going to be a very tricky season for the church. It's going to be very easy for us to take our frustration with the government out on our brothers and sisters. It's going to be very easy to explain or to justify or to tell people what, I, what we think they should do. And I think what we really need to do is to love other people, to take initiative, to meet their needs, even if, and probably especially if, they don't deserve it. Why? Because that's exactly what happened for me. It's exactly what Jesus did. And so, my hope and prayer for New Life Church is that the Holy Spirit will apply the gospel to us in such a way that all of us feel so loved by God, we don't need to exercise our freedoms for the sake of other people. You can, but you may not need to. We don't need to 
to have arguments about vaccines or masks. My hope and prayer is that the gospel will be so certain to us and that we'll be so confident that God has loved us apart from our deserving it that we won't really expect other people to deserve our love by the way they navigate this either. This is not, it's not going to be an easy few weeks as we transition into some other uh, things, but I want you to know that um, you are loved beyond your wildest imagination. And if you will believe that at the bottom of your soul, you're going to be okay. And you're going to make it through, and the church is going to be fine, and God will be seen in the world because his people are honorable, his people are truthful, his people are loving and kind. And I think that's the fruit that the gospel is intended to produce in the lives of the people who believe it. May God help us to love one another. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we recognize that uh, if we did not have this um, extraordinary moment in time, we would still need the gospel. And Father, we need your help to convince us that we are loved by you. Father, I know for me that's, that's a lot of where the gospel breaks down is that I have a hard time because of the, the scripts that I have played all my life that I have a hard time believing that you love me. And Father, I'm sure that there are others here that disbelieve the gospel in that way. Father, would you saturate us with it? Would you cause our hearts to just be so warmed and so drawn into your love that it naturally comes out of us, that we can't help but love one another? Now, thank you in the name of our risen Savior, Jesus.